On today's episode, two-time Olympian Don Sanford rejoins the show as we discuss his recent experience on Honor Flight. We discuss that and the latest in current events as the Firemark starts now. Alex Berg, the matrix of leadership is to you, old friend. Transform and roll out. Welcome to the Fire Market. It is October 3rd, 2023. Wherever you are and however you may be listening, I want to thank you for joining us. Please don't forget to follow the Facebook Fire Mark page. And don't forget, you can now not only follow the Fire Mark on Facebook, but also on Instagram and on our YouTube channel. So please subscribe to that. We'll be posting short clips of the show and extra content from my interview in the last episode from 9-11 First Responder Lieutenant Jose Cotti. So look for that coming soon. Today, I'm happy to be rejoined by my buddy, two-time Olympian and future firefighter, Don Sanford. What's going on, Don? Hey, how's it going? So, um, yeah, Don's, Don's over. We're here. We're, uh, we got back a couple of weeks ago from Honor Flight. So, Don and I were fortunate enough to go. For me, it was my first time in my new role as Director of Operations and my fifth flight overall. But Don went as a guardian for a Vietnam War veteran named Tom. So, go ahead. Go for it. Tell us your experience on Honor Flight. Uh, first and foremost, it's I was just happy to be in a position to go. It was an awesome opportunity that you uh, presented to me for me to do this. And uh, I had an awesome vet. Tom, uh, just from the gate, we really vibed out really nice. And it gave me a better understanding of what it means to, to work with a veteran or to understand what it is that they've actually given to us. And it sounds cliche, but freedom isn't free. And these guys sacrifice so much and have so many ties. And our nation capital does so much to, you know, appreciate and, and pay tribute to these guys. So just to be on that flight from start to finish, I don't even know where to start, to be honest, there. Just in the airport from the beginning there, what you guys put together for Honor Flight, it was just amazing there. Just to let the guys know from the gate that this was about the veterans and that we were going to do the best job that we can possibly do to make sure they had a great trip and enjoy themselves. Yeah, I mean, you know, everybody gets together, Orlando Airport and... You know, we muster up, we do roll call, it's like camp, and uh, who are we? Honor flight, what are we? Yes, Heroes, yes. and it's just kind of a, a cool sound off. It's a separate special TSA screening, and we get we bypass all the regular security. Everybody claps for the veterans and stops what they're doing as we get to the to the plane, and, you know, it's, it's great from there. You know, the water cannon, there's a water cannon salute from the fire department where we're, before the plane takes off, Goa Fire Department is firing off their water cannon shower in the plane, and they do the same thing in Baltimore when you land, and the Baltimore Fire Department's doing it there. You know, we go around to all the memorials. We saw the changing of the guard at Arlington. We were at the Women's in History Museum. We drove by the Air Force Memorial, uh, the Iwo Jima Memorial for the Marines, and then the National Mall, where we hit all the uh, the Vietnam War, World War II, and Korea, and obviously Lincoln Memorial. Tell us about, uh, so uh, Tom was a Vietnam War vet, yes, and yes. he had never been to D.C., or maybe not in many years. Tell us about his experience getting up to the wall there. Um, just really surreal. Going up to that point, just going over the reflecting pond, and getting to exactly where the Vietnam War Memorial was. I can tell that this was gonna be a difficult one based on the conversation I had with my vet on the plane. He had a lot of real ties there. He had a friend that he lost there that he had to personally bring back himself there on the plane. Mm -hmm. I didn't really understand the gravity of what that was actually like to, to lose a brother in arms, to, to 
to serve and to lose someone, nothing can really prepare you for what it actually feels like when you see those names on the wall. And there's so many, so many people there who've given their lives for our country and who have put in all this work. Almost brought me to tears. It definitely brought my vet to tears. When he was he, he was crying when he found the name. Visibly crying, and you because he told us it was, uh, I think it was his best friend. Best friend. And yeah, and, and like you said, he had to bring him bring him back his remains back to his family back in the states. It's crazy. Yeah. Um. Just when he found that name, I can just tell something just came over him there. He said a couple of words to him for his friend Aww, there, and um, that's nice. Just. To see that wall, and then you look to your left, you look to your right. There's so many people there Mm -hmm. paying tribute there, visiting friends, loved ones, people that they've lost. You know, Vietnam War, obviously, you know, we can go on and on about how it happened and how long it took us to get to where we are now as a nation. But these guys, I feel like there's so much more that we can do for what these guys have lost there. Mm -hmm. Things that no one can ever actually get back. So to share that moment with Tom, for him to be comfortable enough for him to to confide in me and tell me about it, that that was basically his best friend that he lost there and that he still hasn't found any true solace from that loss. It's it was it was a bit overwhelming, but it was something that I'm glad I was able to experience with him. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I know he probably shares a lot of survivor's guilt and carries it with him for, you know, at least 50, 60 years since since the experience. And, uh, yeah, it's got to be tough. And. You know, I thought it's very surreal when you're there too that they have volunteers and they, uh, some of them, if you ask them, they'll give you a charcoal pencil and a piece of paper and you put it over a name so that you could scribble it and then take it home as a keepsake. And these volunteers are all Vietnamese. You know, I mean, they were probably born in America, but they obviously have Vietnamese heritage if you talk to them. And it's kind of crazy that they're here and they're, they actually are going out of their way. They're volunteering and they're going out of the way to thank the veterans for, their service, which they never really got a proper thank you. So between that and what Honor Flight does, it's very nice. And uh, speaking of that, you know, on the way back, we, we uh, well, so we had mail call. So we do another thing on Honor Flight called mail call where all these people write letters, family members, friends, and they put we put it all in this big manila envelope and we give it to the veterans. And that's like a thing they do in the Army. Everybody liked mail call when they got letters from home. So it was letters from home. And they also get like local schools and all the students to write a letter to thank the veterans. So they see all this stuff. So tell me, what was Tom thinking when he got to the mail call and saw all the letters to him? Uh, first off, a, a huge salute to whoever thought that that was a great idea to do the mail call because that was a huge surprise for everyone, not just the veterans, but for the for the guarding as well. I had no idea you guys were doing that. Mm-hmm. A little backstory on Tom. Um, he was actually adopted. Oh. And he didn't, okay. he, he didn't meet his real mother and father until he was about 38 years old. And he found that he had at least seven or eight other siblings, which was insane. Just to, to, just to put it in context there, to find out about this whole life at the, at the age of 38 or 39 years old is, is just, that's something to digest in itself. But when he started opening those letters and started seeing from the brother that he never got a chance to meet and the sisters and the other extended families, it just, he couldn't believe it. He was so surprised there. And he did something really cool. There was also local students and kids who were giving salutes to them as well there that was in that roll call. So just seeing his face there, seeing letters from his daughter, from his son, he had no idea he was going to get any of that stuff. And just to see him receive those letters there and to get that mail call was just like the icing on the cake there. I mean, just, you know, from start to finish, it was very classy. 
very respectful there. You guys went above and beyond for them on this trip. And that mail call, just him opening up stuff, and I can just see his expression in his eyes. And he's like, this one is from my daughter. This one is from this person. This one is from that person. And just I can just see him just thinking about all the time that had passed by and all the stuff that he can appreciate now and that he can connect with now in his life was really cool. Yeah, that, that's fantastic. So then the plane lands in Orlando. It's uh, 9, 30, 10 o'clock at night. And it's it's a ridiculous hero's welcome. I mean, it's insane. You got bagpipers playing music. You have police and army people saluting. And the, it, it, you know, it's, it's like when the astronauts returned from the moon. There was just so many people in the airport from like little infants to people even 100 years old saluting, cheering, welcome home, we love you, go USA, music playing. And, you know, this was my fifth flight, like I mentioned before. That was the greatest uh, welcoming I've had in all of the five flights. So, uh, and you'd never experienced that. So tell me your thought, Tom's thought, going through that that tunnel of people. No, I, I didn't even know what to expect, to be honest, um, as we had made our, you know, coming back and you know taking our tram there to get back over to the other side past TSA I start to hear some stuff almost as if the airport was like vibrating like that type of energy was in the air uh, I just couldn't believe it there it's just so many people as you said there full salutes the flags and everything are out there's tons of people family members for all the vets are there walking these guys back in you know the cheering the clapping everything is just going on the main thing I wanted to just try to pay attention to is like how was Tom being received? How he felt about it? And he just, he was smiling from ear to ear. I mean, he just, he loved every second of it. And I think it really hit heart to him that he really felt like you were really honoring your vet, you know, really honoring with the work he's done. And just coming in there, like you said, it's like coming back from the moon, man, or like walking through like a stadium and like the whole crowd erupting yeah. and you go into like a, you know, mm-hmm. I don't even know how I can explain it there. Kind of like a gladiator coming into like the stadium or something like that. Just all this energy just mm-hmm. rounding it up. It was amazing there. And Tom, my vet, actually had family members there who uh, who were there when he came in. His son actually was there at that time. And he was just more than happy to see him when he got there. So that was really awesome. That's fantastic. Best yeah. time I had in the airport. I don't know about yeah, you, yeah, but yeah. for sure. <laughs> uh, that was the only time I was actually happy to go through TSA and all right. that stuff there. It was really awesome. Yeah, I, it, it's such a great experience to uh, come and welcome the veterans home. So I highly recommend Next time we have an honor flight that you uh, you get out there and serve some support to our veterans. Afterward, our group at Honor Flight, we got this amazing letter from a veteran. Um, it was actually the veteran. I think it was his either his wife or his daughter. And she wrote this letter thanking us for what happened. So what happened with this veteran was the week before Honor Flight, he, he has some sort of terminal illness and he doesn't have much longer to live. And the week before honor flight, he went to his doctor and said, hey, I'm scheduled to go on this flight on Saturday. You know, can can I go? And the doctor said, absolutely not. You can't go. You're not healthy enough. Something might happen. Blah, blah, blah. Don't go. And he said, you know what? Screw it. I'm going anyway. And he came on the honor flight. And then he came back and to this, you know, the hero's welcome. And his family member that wrote the letter said for months he's known about his terminal diagnosis and he's been miserable. And this is the first time he's had a smile and he was laughing and he was happy. And it was almost like the Make-A-Wish Foundation. We gave this veteran, this hero, one last moment of joy in his life. And we're so happy that he took the initiative to ignore the doctors and say, I'm going on this flight. This is my last mission and I'm doing it. And he got to experience all that. So... 
it, it gives you chills and it really makes it all worth it. It was it was an amazing story. So I'm glad you had an amazing experience through the eyes of uh, Tom, your veteran. Um, we're looking forward to. I think next weekend is the reunion, so we'll look oh, forward yeah. to see him again. They're going to have, obviously, a slideshow, video presentation, picture show for everybody, and then we'll go around the room and we'll do, you know, what, what was the highlight, what was your experience, how did you feel about it, and it's very emotional and moving. As people share, not everybody has to share, but whoever wants to talk will talk and share about their experience. So, uh, But I appreciate you coming on the podcast and letting everybody know. So we are Honor Flight Central Florida. The website is Honor Flight Central Florida. Florida.org, all one word, no caps. So if you know a veteran that uh, Vietnam, Korea, World War II, Gulf War veteran that served male or female, doesn't matter, and would like to go on a free trip to Washington, D.C. and visit the memorials made for their honor, please check that out. Fill out a guardian application and a veteran application and get on the next flight, which is going to be uh, at the end of April next year. So... Anyway, moving on with current events, we just had 9-11 anniversary a couple of weeks ago. Joe Biden, absent. He can't even show up at 9-11 memorials. And then he lies about being a ground zero the next day after there's footage of him in Congress. So he said he was literally there and saying it brought tears to his eyes. And then people immediately fact-checked him and saw that he was actually in Congress talking about how horrible it was. So what a disgusting troll this guy is. He doesn't even know where he is or remembers anything, and he's trying to make himself look better. But what's horrible is he's the first president. This was the 22nd anniversary, so for 21 years, the president of the United States has always been at ground zero for 9-11 in the tribute, and for some reason, he wasn't there. So moving on to that, here is President Brandon. I have a nice clip of him trying to be hip with the hip-hop. But he ends up kind of racist by using the term boy and then correcting himself to say man. So take a listen to this. The two of the great artists of our time representing the groundbreaking legacy of hip hop in America, LLJ Cool J. Uh, by the way, that boy's got, that man's got biceps bigger than my thighs. I think he's been- so unbelievable that he's so racist and disrespectful, but then tries to cover it up, which he does all the time. You know, you heard him where he was just like, that boy, uh, uh, that man. Like, like you could hear the racial undertones there, right? But then LLJ Cool. So, so let me ask, is Biden that type of guy? Is Dr. Jill an around-the-way girl? Maybe Biden needs to be doing it by going back to Cali and hanging in the crib with Gavin Newsom. He better quit lounging before Trump gonna knock him out. Mama said knock him out. That's all my that's it. That's all I got. That's I tried to throw in every LL Cool J reference I could there, but anyway, hope you enjoyed that. Anyway, governor of New Mexico, that's been in the news lately. So apparently in New Mexico there was a road rage incident that sadly got out of hand and an innocent eleven year old was shot and killed. So this awful governor, Michelle Grisham, she decides that she wants to suspend the Second Amendment on a temporary basis to curb the violence. Like, the criminals are going to abide by that. It's absolutely ridiculous. And so, listen to this clip. Here's her idiotic justification. If there's an emergency, and I've declared an emergency for a temporary amount of time, I can invoke additional powers. No constitutional right, in my view, including my oath, is intended to be absolute. There are restrictions on free speech. There are restrictions on my freedoms. In this emergency... This 11-year-old and all these parents who have lost all these children, they deserve my attention. 
to have the debate about whether or not in an emergency we can create a safer environment. Because what about their constitutional rights? I took an oath to uphold those two. And if we ignore this growing problem without being bold, I've said to every other New Mexican, your rights are subrogated to theirs. And they are not, in my view. But again, if I'm unsafe, who's standing up for that right? If this climate is so out of control, somebody should do something. I'm doing as much as I know to do. Do you really think that criminals are going to hear this message and not carry a gun in Albuquerque on the streets for 30 days? No. But here's what I do think. It's a pretty resounding message. It's a pretty resounding message, but you don't think criminals are going to abide by it? So who are you giving the message to? Are you giving the message to the law-abiding citizens? I mean, I don't know. You have any thoughts? Oh, my gosh. I just think it's it really doesn't make much sense. Do you honestly think that criminals are going to say, yeah, sure, we'll we'll do what you say. We'll we'll put the guns down for 30 days. We'll right. Get, we'll, we'll get right back at it. We'll get right, right back right. at it afterward. Exactly. Yeah, oh it's God, just, just, you know, and she, she even purposely says she's ignoring her oath. You can't suspend laws in the Constitution when you feel like it by executive order. And, you know, what a complete useless piece of shit this person is. She needs to be immediately impeached, in my opinion, by the government in Mexico by defying her oath to uphold the Constitution. But thankfully, law enforcement in New Mexico, and specifically Bernalillo County, respects the rules of our country and our Constitution. So here's Bernalillo Sheriff John Allen stating how he's not going to enforce this woman's illegal order. The Bernalillo County Sheriff's Office will not enforce this segment of the order. While I understand the urgency, the temporary ban challenges the foundations of our Constitution, but most importantly, it is unconstitutional. My oath was to protect the Constitution, and that is what I will do. The governor made it clear in her press conference she knew we as law enforcement did not agree with the order, and as a result, this was solely her decision. Other than this ban being unconstitutional, here are other reasons why I will not enforce the order. One, what many forget, is I have enough violence here in Bernalillo County. I do not want to have political violence towards my deputies or here in Bernalillo County. My job is to keep the peace and to make sure that the citizens of Bernalillo County are safe and I do not believe that this order will help me do so. I'm a law enforcement professional. This order will not do anything to curb gun violence other than punish law-abiding citizens from their constitutional right to self-defense. Bravo to you, sir. You get my Lifetime All-Star Award for not letting these authoritarians take our rights away from us. We need more citizens and patriots like you representing the American people. So on the people who not acting like citizens or patriots... We have so many disrespectful people in our government. These stories all came out seemingly at once. So I got to call out these people for this. First, we got Representative Lauren Boebert of Colorado, who was caught vaping and inappropriately groping her date during a theater production of Beetlejuice. Now, I saw Beetlejuice. I, I didn't really think it was that good. you know. But if I wanted to go ahead and do some inappropriate vaping and groping, we can get a room. We don't need to sit there at this <laughs> dumb show. 
So not only is it inappropriate in public, but you represent the United States and need to do better or give your job to someone who will, right? I just, you know, what, what, what is it called? PDA, the public displays of affection? Yeah, too much, too, too much, much, over the top. Entirely. The second, we got to call out this woman who's named Susanna Gibson. She's running for a seat in Virginia's Congress, and she has an OnlyFans account and uses her account to perform sex acts on her husband for money. I mean, seriously? I'm sorry. Some jobs require a standard of culture and respect, and representing people in government, in my opinion, is one of them. I have no problem with strippers or people who run OnlyFans accounts to make money, but you can't be representing people in government if you do these things. I mean, I wouldn't be able to hold my job as a firefighter if I was doing these things on OnlyFans, so why is it okay for her, right? Exactly. I mean, you know, you're you're about to become a firefighter. You've got to know that you're held a, a higher standard. and Far more, for and, sure. And, and not only that, but, like, it doesn't stop when you're off duty. Like, you can't be out, like, dr- not that you would do that, but, like, you can't be out, like, drunk and making a fool out of yourself and then show up on the news. They're going to fire you for that. And she's still currently running... For the seat in Congress. Yeah, running for a seat in Congress and, and doesn't think anything's wrong with what she's doing. And, like, nothing is wrong, but you can't be a representative of society and do that. You could Whatever other job you want to do is fine. One or the other. Yeah. And last, Senator John Fetterman of Pennsylvania. This guy's just a sloppy, disrespectful ogre, in my opinion. He is having the Senate change their dress code so that he doesn't have to wear a suit and he could show up to official Senate meetings in a hoodie and gym shorts. Does the term dress for success mean anything to you, John? Can you imagine if the military didn't have uniforms or a dress code and people just showed up in hoodies and gym shorts? So, yeah, it's crazy. So some people, this is funny, some people call Fetterman vegetable because he's sloppy in his appearance and speech. But vegetables are healthy and good for you, and Fetterman is neither healthy nor good for anyone. So I don't think that fits. So I want to call him fetch fry because French fries are full of fat, and oily, and they need to be dressed up with ketchup or cheese to perform their best. So I think that fits Fetterman better. Right? Fet fry. Fet fry. That's it. <laughs> yep. All right. Another new senator, Diane Feinstein, dies at 90 years old. So Gavin Newsom of California just appoints someone else to her position. So why, why can't we have an election to determine this? This against fueling my belief that there needs to be an age limit in our government. Otherwise, where's the democracy in letting governors appoint people instead of being directly elected by the people? So, just my thoughts. Then we also had a second Republican debate last week. I didn't watch. I heard it was a complete clown show. You know, they need to stop doing this with Trump so far ahead in the polls. It's just a waste of everybody's time. I heard they were just sitting there. Did you watch it all? No? No, I didn't watch it It, there, but... I just heard they were just talking over everybody and just yelling and you couldn't get a word in and the moderators, I don't know. I just heard it was just a complete clown show, shit show, (laughs) whatever. Again, back to our old friend on this segment, far left regressive Nazi Tom Hartman, who I call Tom Heartless or Adolf Hartman because all he does is spread propaganda and lies. He's sunk to a new low now. On a recent episode... He supports the distribution of these basically pornographic books to minors that are in the schools. And why? Because these books in detail describe child rape, and he thinks that kids reading it will speak out more if things like this are happening to them and they read it in books. First of all, kids that are getting raped are not going to have access to these books. you know. But beyond that, most importantly, it's up to parents to teach kids these things. We, we also all heard of stranger danger and not letting people touch you in your private areas. You know, now we have to rely on books to educate our children now and not the parents. You're a disgusting pedophile, Tom, to support this so-called literature. It's, it, it abhors me. 
And lastly, with this scumbag, here he is on his show talking about blocking Trump from the ballot in the upcoming election. I, you know, I continue to think that it would be better for the country if Donald Trump was beaten in an election rather than uh, loses and, you know, is blocked from getting on the ballot. But uh, I'm also sufficiently nervous about him getting on the ballot that I would support the or I do support the effort in um, in Minnesota. And I know it's going on in a half a dozen other states to keep him off the ballot. So this is insane. How do you say you support democracy if you support removing people from the ballot before due process in the court? So if you believe that Trump should be off the ballot before he gets due process in the courts, then you're not a citizen or patriot of this country, period. I, I just, this drives me absolutely crazy. How do you say that it's democracy if only one candidate wins or one party wins? And then you do this, so like, we're just going to eliminate our enemy. It's just ridiculous. Like, you know, what if we were watching a football game be like, yeah, we would have won if uh, if all the uh, referees weren't on the field and there's no penalties, we could do whatever we want, right? Jeez. Maybe my Panthers would actually win a game. I don't know. That's another story. That's the sports <laughs> segment. This is current events. Let me stay focused. Let me stay on topic. Idiots of the week. Our first idiot of the week is going to involve our trip back on Southwest Airlines for honor flight. I was sitting in the first row of the plane. So here's what happened. I had a bag. And in the first row of the plane, there's no place in front of you because there's no seat to put the bag. So they're yelling at you. like They want you to put the bag like in the overhead compartment, but you can't access it. Well, the guy behind me had no bag under his seat. So I put my bag under my seat where he would have his bag and the guy is yelling at me and saying like you can't put the bag under the seat i said i can put the bag under the seat that's where they go he goes no you have to put it up up uh, above in the overhead compartment and i said i don't understand so if this was his bag it's okay to be there but because it's my bag it's not okay to be there Makes like i just got to change my pronoun for you yeah, you got to give him your bag and say it's his, and say his bag and he, then you can put it there and then it can stay it, it was it was just absolutely ridiculous he wouldn't even let the camera guy hold his camera because it's important that we take pictures and he's like you have to put that up i'm like i can't hold it he goes no and i'm like oh my god this guy complete clown i don't know what he is way too by the book with his rules and just like this fake authority garbage so whatever his name was i don't know but whoever was on that southwest flight i could look up the flight number later and call him out idiot of the week you're an idiot second idiot of the week uber and lyft and any ride shares where there's a busy traffic getting anywhere I don't understand these rideshare apps. They, You're trying to get to a football game, to a concert. You're trying to leave or go to the airport or anything that's involving a large group of people doing the same thing at the same time. You can't get a car. you got to wait forever and ever and ever to get a car. And then they jack up the prices because the demand is high. It's absolutely insane. I mean, a cab, sure, that cab is going to cost you more money if there's nothing going on and Uber's a quick ride. But, you know, even coming out of the Charlotte airport when I would go to the games, there's a taxi stand. There's like seven cars waiting. And I know it's like 10 extra bucks for the cab, but if I go over to Uber, there's 50 people waiting for Ubers and they're coming by like every, you know, however often you call, it takes forever. So why not just pay the 10 extra dollars you have a car waiting for you? And it's just, it's great. I don't it's, know. Do you, do you use Uber and Lyft a lot? Um, I used to. I don't use it anymore. It's a greedy cash grab. And yeah. If there's right? ever a major an event, a concert you want to be at, it's the worst situation you want to be in. 
for that exact reason that you explained. You just don't want to be in it. It's going to be, the rates are going to go up. It's going to be so many more people on the road driving around, creating more traffic. There were more people who say, oh, I think I want to be a Lyft driver just today because I know there's going to be a football game. Right. Or I want to be an Uber driver today just because I know that, you know, so-and-so is in town. I'm going to try to make a quick extra bucks. I get the idea of these apps and what they do for people there who want to work, but it's really just nasty. It really doesn't help anybody. Like, it just makes it much worse. You're better off just grabbing a cab or a taxi. Yeah, and I just, I mean, I know these Uber and Lyft drivers are probably checked out and they're verified, but, you know, (laughs) we were just talking about stranger danger. Didn't you learn when you were growing up not to get in a car with a stranger? This is literally getting into a car with an unverified stranger, whereas, like, with a cab service, you know, they might have a little cage. They have, like, the the license number of the guy or girl that's driving you. and Photo uh, information you can actually see, right? You feel a little bit more protected, in my opinion. I know it's more money at times, but I think overall it ends up being less money. And I don't like people having my credit card, like, just to bill whatever they want to bill. You get to where you're going and you have a problem with the bill, they're just going to run $50 on your card and, like, figure it out later. Yeah. He's like, oh, it was it was premium rates and whatever. Cabs are also more easy to spot if anything goes wrong there. Uh, Uber That's and Lyft drivers there, they pick you up in whatever car they own there. Yeah, absolutely. And That's that car can 100%. blend into the road and disappear. Not that we're going to go that dark, but it's definitely more safe to stick with the taxis and cabs. Actually, Those bad boys stick out. Yeah, no, you make a very good point because, yeah, they stick out, and that's that's good for safety reasons too, you know, especially, God, if you were like a female by yourself, I just I would not feel comfortable with that. Couldn't imagine. Especially like in a strange city where you don't know where you're going and you never know what can happen. Man. Anyway, and our last third idiot of the week is going to go to Kamala Harris, comparing dates in our history. So check this clip out from uh, Vice President Kamala. Certain dates echo throughout history, including dates that instantly remind all who have lived through them, where they were and what they were doing when our democracy came under assault. Dates that occupy not only a place on our calendars, but a place in our collective memory. December 7th, 1941, September 11th, 2001, and January 6th, 2021. It's really absolutely repulsive to me and beyond disrespectful to our troops and to our citizens that you compare Pearl Harbor Day and 9-11 to January 6th. This woman doesn't have a shred of decency or respect of the history of the United States of America. And it's horrible to think that she's only one heartbeat away from the presidency. So for that, Kamala, you're getting an idiot of the week. You're a stupid dumbass. That's our show today for October 3rd, 2023. Next show will be live from Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte, North Carolina at the Woo Crew Tailgate, where we'll have a sports update, live trivia, and also discuss some entertainment news. So please look for that in the coming days. Thank you, Don, for joining me today, buddy. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure to be here with you on the fire mark. All right, cool. We'll have you. We'll have you again as a, in a future episode. So awesome. And as always, thank you guys out there for listening, and we will see you next time on the fire mark. <laughs>